Welcome to Nice Ashes. I'm Mike. And I'm Nate. What are we smoking today, Mike? We are smoking an Oliva Series Zero or O. Probably O. Probably O. Siri O. The cap tasted a little better than the last one. Okay. It's a little darker. Uh, it's not a Connecticut. It's like Cameroon. These are all uh, Robusto sizes. So we're back to the preferred size. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a V cut. Me as well. And the cap does taste better. It's a little sweet. Medium bodied and sweet, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is a bit sweet. I, I like it. So Thus far. far, I mean, anyway. Yeah, initial impression. What are you pairing it with? I am pairing it with, surprise, surprise, a Stella Artois. There we go. How about you? Oh, I'm mixing it up. I'm doing a Johnny Walker Black and a Michelob Ultra. Hey, there you go. Yeah. So I figured uh, after the last one, I was like, oh, maybe a shitty light beer will do the trick. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. I mean, you know, I usually drink the IPAs and, uh, you know, high ABVs. And I just kind of felt, ah, let's just, you know. Take it a little easy. We've got, I don't know that this episode is going to be as controversial as our last episode and the stuff that we're talking about, but there is definitely some controversy adjacent to what we're talking about this episode, so. Yeah, this is like the dark uh, double episode here. It's very dark. I would say (laughs) that content-wise, this is a lot more. Darker. Yeah. (laughs) Less controversial, but darker. Yeah. So what are we talking about this episode, Mike? We are going to talk about (laughs) The Sound of Freedom, which is apparently a very controversial movie that came out over the summer. Yep. And it made a ton of money. Uh, Did you bring up the box office? No, but I know that they did a big campaign of pay it forward. So people, they would get people to go see it in theaters and they would say, you know, if you like the movie, buy a ticket for somebody else. And so they kind of cultivated this community of people who like the movie, I guess. Yes. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at the box office, trying to find it. It made $238.5 million. There you go. Against a $14.5 million budget. So it was a very successful film. Yes. And I had wanted to see it even before like the controversy came out, I guess. But my dad, we were spending time with him a while back, and he said, have you guys seen Sound of Freedom yet? It's an excellent movie. And uh, I guess we're going to do a movie review, and then we're going to kind of get into some of the controversy surrounding it, I I suppose. Sure. Plot synopsis. I will will do the plot synopsis, because I I initially heard it was a vigilante superhero movie uh you know people were criticizing it (laughs) and so i didn't know what to expect going into it It was based kind of on a true story it is a cop drama based loosely on a true story surrounding human trafficking in south and central america to the united states uh child sex trafficking mostly child sex trafficking yes it reminded me of Black Rain, which is from the 80s. Have you ever seen that movie, uh, Nate? Uh, I don't think I've seen that one yet. I know it's on my watch list. Okay. That is a cop drama with an American cop in Japan surrounding the Yakuza. And okay. this is a cop drama with an American cop in Central and South America. Uh, so it's similar themes. 
You know, yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of like the cop dramas with uh, the T word involved made in the 2000s, the earlier 2000s. You know, uh, it's perfectly adequate. The acting is good. The casting is good. The uh, script was fine. It's a perfectly adequate blockbuster ish style drama, cop drama. Yeah, I guess. Um, so you wanted to do, do you want to do the, the plot synopsis then? Or is that your plot synopsis? That's my plot synopsis. I mean, we'll get into okay. the details as we go, but I wanted to open it up. It is not a superhero movie. It is not no. a political movie. It's a cop drama movie with child trafficking as the crux. And it's half Spanish, so you got to turn the subtitles on, you yeah. know, and it's perfectely adequate. <laughs> it's Yeah, uh, I guess uh, off off the bat, my dad was like, it's an excellent film. Well, I gave it a six out of ten. It's it's fine. Uh, I guess if you want, if you want, if you want this movie, just watch Taken, just the first one. It, it's it's shorter runtime, much more action, and uh, it doesn't. Uh, doesn't have weird overt religious overtones, but basically this movie is based on Tim Ballard's career uh, loosely because so he works for, I think, uh, the Department of Homeland Security. He rescues one child who has a sister that's still in captivity, I guess is what you would call it or yes, something. And so he then quits his job to go and just spend time down in South Central America somewhere looking for the sister. And then that's kind of it. And the the true story is Tim Ballard never left American soil to go and mano y mano fight a sex trafficking kingpin fisticuff style to rescue a little girl. Uh, but it's a Hollywoodization yeah, of a true yeah. story. I do not have any problem with that. Oh, no, I don't it's, I don't have any problem with it either, except that people, some people were saying, well, he really did quit his job, and he really went down there and, and saved her. And it's like, uh, he did not, though. Um, it's some copium. I like blood sport. I don't think that Frank Dukes actually went and fought in the Kumite. Okay? But the movie is perfectly yeah, yeah, yeah. adequate. You, you and I know. You and I know. <laughs> so... You know, I think it's it's fine as how it goes. It's, it's, a, it's a decent movie. And you might like it more if, let's say, you are a Christian. Because there's a scene, and I always thought this, this person was you, Mike, because he always had a cigar in his mouth. Yes. But when he goes down to, <laughs> goes down to uh, uh, South America and he meets this person who did time and was part of a gang or something, I don't know. And then now he's uh, buying kids to set them free. So he's kind of the uh, Oscar Schindler of this movie, and I guess the 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 it, that was kind of one of the first scenes where I was like, okay, the writing is a little little off because well, one uh, Edmund Dantes, I'm sorry, uh, Jim Caviezel, 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 <laughs> I don't know what the fuck, <laughs> Edmund Dantes. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's down there somehow. No, he, he plays Tim Ballard. And he, he's like, oh, I uh, hey, wife, uh, whatever his wife's name was. I guess here on the the credits it was Catherine or something. But he's like, hey, wife, I, uh, I'm i going to go down. I got to go save this this kid. And she's like, that sounds great. And so he does. And I'm like, that's not how that conversation would have gone ever. There's not a, uh, there's not a relationship on the planet that that conversation would be that. 
Right. You know what I mean? So it was highly unrealistic. And then he's like sending his wife like a text message from a tent in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. One, you're not going to have cell reception. And then uh, two, well, the satellite phone. It's a satellite phone. Okay, fine. And so and then two, like her response was, I feel like she's our daughter. And they did mm. that a lot. That was a very common trope in this film was, what if it was your child? And then that that overrode all logic in the movie, right? That was the... That was the uh, trump card in this movie was, what if it was your child? Don't get me wrong. It was a Hollywood cop drama. Child sex trafficking is terrible. And I was uncomfortable for a a good portion of of at least the very beginning when they were getting into all that stuff. And that one guy played a really good creepy sex trafficking person. I thought he was over the the top. I thought he was over the the top. top. Yeah, was Weird Al Yankovic, but creepy was yeah, way I know, yeah. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe, <laughs> uh, discount Daniel Radcliffe, uh, only because he played Weird Al in the movie, right? But mm-hmm. anyway, the scene that really kind of took me out of it was the older version of Mike was down there sitting on the table smoking his cigar, and Edmund Dantes sat down and was like, I got to go find this kid. And uh, older Mike was saying, well, why? And uh, Edmund Dantes was saying, well, I don't like child sex trafficking and I want to save her and her brother and all this. And, and the other guy, I guess his name is Vampiro, says, that's not, that's not the real reason. Tell me the real reason. And Edmund Dantes, uh, Edmund Dantes goes, God's children are not for sale. You know, and then there was like 13 hallelujahs and... Uh, stuff from the church. I didn't think it was that over the top. I'm not as sensitive to that as you are. And and that's true, but it's kind of one of those things where it's like, what if, if reuniting siblings isn't a good enough reason, then why is God's children not for sale a better reason? I took it less as like a religious overtone and more of like a fanatic. Like he was like a fanatic. A fanatic anti-sex trafficker, right? Which is not a bad thing to be. No, I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to be. You you could take it in that way. So you could take it as that uh, Vampiro didn't want Tim Ballard to do this only for one child because Vampiro knew how many children were in captivity, right? So he wanted to make sure that Tim was not just going to stop after rescuing this one child. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't see why you couldn't say something along the lines of, I quit my job so I could come and rescue children on the ground here in your country. Why wouldn't that have been as, as good? Or why were all of his other reasons not valid? You know what I mean? Like, if he would have said something like, you want to, you want to reunite the, the brother and sister? And what else? You know, no child is for sale. Or, you know, even the, even the same line. But it just, it, it kind of came off as... Like, well, that's not quite a valid reason either. But if that's the one you're going to accept, I guess the movie's got a movie. You know what I mean? Well, I think it was supposed to be a more badass line to hit with the the movie going public. Well, obviously, yeah. But, it, you know, and that's part of the thing is you put these lines in and you want it to be as iconic as I'll be back or, you know, 1.21 gigawatts or anything. You know what I mean? It just it felt if in my mind, it felt a little forced, but. Also, I kind of knew that uh, Jim uh, said his greatest honor in life was portraying Jesus in Mel Gibson's anti-Jewish film, The Passion of Christ. I never watched it. <laughs> it's, it's probably never watched call. it. Yeah. 
So, you know, I it was just some of that stuff where it's like the the relationship between Tim Ballard and his wife in this film felt like she was all, always a thousand percent behind him. And I guess I appreciate not bogging down a, a slightly over two hour long movie with household domestic drama, but it kind of took away from some of the realism. I did not consider the film to be super realistic. I well, Man, I'm not saying it's super. I'm just saying, uh, you know, and this is probably just another natism, right? Like the 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 training room having the dining room table in the floor and the caramel apple salesman in Hocus Pocus 2. It's just one of those things where it, it kind of broke the reality of the film. Like I'm fine with films setting up their own reality, but if you're not going to have the wife put up any fuss, and I know Tim Ballard in real life has like nine kids. Two of them are adopted or something, but still that's a, a fuck ton of kids. Oh, and they showed that he had like a brood. He had yeah, a yeah. fucking hockey team. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. But I mean, if you're not going to have the wife put up any kind of fuss whatsoever, don't even include those scenes then. You know what I mean? It's just it, it just adds runtime for no for no reason. Or just do it once and say, oh, yep, uh, this is going to put a strain on our family. But you know what? This is important to me, too. I'll figure it out. And then that's it. We never have to see her again. We don't need the mm-hmm. text messages. We don't need to we don't need to be constantly reminded he's a family man. He's got nine kids for fuck's sake. We know he's a family man. Right. No, I yeah, I, I thought it was perfectly adequate. Uh, it yeah, grossed more than Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, I don't. That's better than Indiana Jones, honestly. I haven't watched Indiana Jones, but I mean, having watched Barbie, it's not as good as Barbie. No. But it's better than most everything else I've seen this year that's new. Better than Ahsoka. (laughs) Oh, God. I took a dump the other day that was better than Ahsoka. (laughs) So it's worth a watch if you want to watch a cop drama about sex trafficking. It's worth the Which watch. It's depressing and uncomfortable at times, for sure. At yeah, least the beginning yeah, part of the movie, for sure. Yeah, especially when they're pulling out like the files and things. And I, I still couldn't get over the fact that that dad brought his two kids to this like dance or beauty competition thing in this fucking run hotel. Yeah. And the woman was like, "Oh no, you can come back at seven tonight and pick them up." And then he just was like, "Ah, okay," and left. Right. And it's like, well, that's the number one way to get your kids in sex trafficking is to just leave them with some random person in a hotel room right. of all places. No, you're not even in a conference room of the hotel. It's a hotel room. Yes. I did like that they spliced in images of children being taken or videos. I shouldn't say I liked oh, it. That, no, that's that not was the right way to put fuck. it. It was it disturbing. Was it was effective. It was very effective. And then at the end of the movie, they showed images from the raids and videos from the raids yeah, that they showed in the that. film. I liked that. I, thought, I was like... Again, I don't like it, but it was very effective and it was no, impactful yes, yeah. to the story. That was that was some good filmmaking. Disturbing. I didn't. I didn't it was think disturbing. The, yes, I didn't think the script was the greatest script of all time. I didn't think the acting was the greatest acting of all time. Uh, there are definitely tense moments, uh, but it's. I don't think it's going to stand up against other other films in terms of becoming a classic or. You know, it's not. I, it's not going to be a classic. Hard, you know, it's better than Guardians of the Galaxy three. It's better than Ant Man. You know, it's better than yeah a lot of Any the movies Marvel that are coming stuff, out. Modern, yeah, yeah, but, significantly better. Yeah. I mean, it's. I watched the whole thing and I was focused oh, on yeah. it one hundred percent the whole. I time. I was too. There, like I so. said, there's just a couple scenes where I was like, oh, that was kind of you know jarring in terms of kind of popping me out of the realism that this movie is trying to set up because they've got the. 
very dark and gritty child sex trafficking. And then they cut to like super supportive wife who has no qualms about, oh, you're not going to have a pension. You're just going to go down to South America. Hey, that's cool. Like, when are you going to be back? You don't know? Hey, that's fine with me too. Whatever. I can totally watch nine kids. Not a big deal. Go for it. Yeah, let's engage in this hyper irresponsible, highly dangerous action <laughs> that you're about to do. Yeah, like, and, and she never once said, "Well, what if you die? Like, what if you die?" You know, as right. he's going and sneaking into the what the gang lords base camp, and they all have automatic weapons, and they're the most inept people on the planet because they're all drunk and sleeping all the time. But you know, right? So there, there were some things where I was just kind of like, ah. but by and large, it's a, it's a, it's a decent film. Yeah, I I don't think there's anything controversial in the film. It's not overly political. I didn't see anything political in it, really. It's not like they were they were pointing the finger at rich Americans, but they didn't point the finger at any particular rich American, and they they basically just pointed out the root of the problem. No, they, uh, I mean, they, I think I think in the movie they only pointed out kind of these wealthy people that mm-hmm. like to buy kids, and they they happened to man- mention in passing that one of the biggest importers was L.A in a list of other cities, right? That weren't yes. in America. That was the only American city they mentioned. LA makes sense because it's a border town or close enough yeah. to the border to be kind of a hub. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't feel like it was overtly anything in that sense. It wasn't saying, and, and, and this might be where we get into some of the controversy around the people involved in making the film, but it wasn't, it wasn't, the movie itself was not spouting any conspiracy theories whatsoever. It seemed no. to be fairly fact-driven outside of, you know, the, the regular Hollywood embellishments on Tim Ballard did not really go down and punch out a, a gang leader to save a child. Yeah, it is typical fantasy elements. And he even came out and said that never happened, and they, they took it and embellished it. So he's not even trying to, you know, he's trying to downplay how good the movie makes him look, I guess. Yeah, it's a it's a move it's a movie. It's <laughs> it's not a uh, a a biography. Yeah, it's not so. a documentary. It's not a documentary. It's supposed to be exciting. And it was engaging and entertaining. So yeah. disturbing at a times. I'm a huge for sure. fan of the the musical score throughout the thing, to be I honest. didn't even notice the music. Yeah. I, I mean it was largely forgettable, but it had a lot of those kind of like ooh and ah, kind of like hymn choruses. Which I, you know, I'm sure they did for a reason, but yeah, it's I mean, a low budget t- movie. Tim, well, well, and Tim Ballard, Tim Ballard's a Mormon, so they probably got the Mormon Tabernacle Choir or some shit to do it. Who knows? But right, and Mormonism is not at all implicated in child sex trafficking or anything like that, right? Not according to the film, <laughs> right? So uh, the controversies. Uh, Tell me if when I'm wrong. I, uh, well, okay, yeah. Tell me when I'm wrong. Jim Caviezel is a controversial political character. He is a QAnon honor, and he has publicly made some controversial statements. Uh, one of the producers yep. was Mel Gibson, and he's obviously <laughs> yeah. controversial because he's Mel Gibson. Uh, the writer of the story is somewhat controversial because he's made some conspiracy type theory statements. All of these conspiracy stuff is unrelated to the movie, and the movie was made way before they made any of these controversial statements. It's unrelated. I don't know that the the conspiracies are unrelated, but keep going. Okay. Uh, the movie was 
delayed because they sold it to Fox, which was bought by Disney, and Disney wasn't going to release it. And then they crowdfunded and bought the movie back and did a release. And they ginned up controversy on purpose, I think, as part of the advertising campaign to save money. Yeah. Uh, which is smart. That's just yep. smart. Yeah. Well, and they did the, you know, pay it forward ticket sales thing. Right. And for some reason, Hollywood types didn't like that. Um, I think that a lot of the writers that I read who were criticizing it were a little too defensive. I think they might be implicated in wrongdoing with other things, kind of like the uh, Harvey Weinstein type of shit. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's a lot of copium going on. Yeah. Um, well, I, not, but I think, I think, too, Mike, the director has uh spouted some QAnon theories mm. as well from what sure. i remember reading that, that doesn't surprise me um birds of a feather uh, and all that right like yeah the people making yeah. this film are probably going to see eye to eye on a few things yeah uh the other thing i think we should mention right now is that there are a slew of allegations now against tim ballard in real life from his foundation he created to help rescue children, but a bunch of women from that organization have accused him of uh, sexual abuse or sexual assault or something of that nature. Did these come out after the movie? Yeah, as far as I know. Are any of them reputable? You know what, Mike? I don't know. And that's part of what we're going to talk about. Okay. I did not know that. Because of these theories uh, that some of the people involved in the film have, it seems that for whatever reason... A lot of a Democratic or liberal people think this is a QAnon masturbation film, as it were, right? Like this is playing into the kind of Trumpism, um, Christian moral values, QAnon, conspiracy theory stuff. I mean, there were people Those... that supported Trump that were saying that he was a good Christian, despite all of the other things that he said in his entire life. And I think that a lot of that played into part, and the and the the people that are saying this film is controversial are the people that can't distinguish the person from the art, or the people involved in making the art from the art. Right. And then so you also, but then you also think, well, because they said that, of course, all of the conservative Christian people are going to go and see it and like it, and it definitely doesn't doesn't not appeal to the Christian conservatives. I mean, even the the one scene I told you about with the, well, God's children are not for sale. Like, that's, that's something a pastor says on a Sunday morning, you know? And and you took it a different way, and I took it a different way, and I think if you're going in as a conservative Christian, you're going to take it a different way, like a third secret way. And, oh, for sure. You know, and so the one QAnon theory that I saw reference to this movie was, uh, QAnon theory is that uh, the world, or America, or whatever, is run by a ring of pedophiles— who control everything. But that wasn't mentioned in the movie, so I don't, you know. It was not mentioned in the movie, and it was not included as, like, a subplot or, you know. No, and it wasn't in their press docket of marketing materials either, you know. Right. I think, though, that, and I don't want to, this is where it gets a little iffy, because if QAnon says the world is run by a ring of pedophiles, and you have had uh, Jeffrey Epstein incarcerated, and you have currently Ghislaine Maxwell incarcerated, but their client list has never been made public, it certainly does lead one to wonder if everyone in power is actually a pedophile. 
Not, well, the Balenciaga, the Balenciaga incident, I thought was highly disturbing, and I did not look to see whether there was any follow up on any of that. But I'm not familiar with that one, Mike. Oh, the Balenciaga was taking some inappropriate photographs of children and passing it off as artistic and promoting high fashion. Okay. Yes. I would not suggest looking up the pictures, but it was like no. leather daddy pictures with four-year-olds. Okay. I have yes. a huge I, – I need to say this. I have a huge fucking issue with child beauty pageants. The fuck is that about? I don't have a huge issue with it, but I would not allow my child to be in a child beauty pageant. And I think that it definitely lends itself to uh, predators for sure. Like there's a way to do it responsibly, I'm sure – I'm not involved with that, and I would never be involved with that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean, there's so many fashion. other things like a child could do <laughs> other than it doesn't seem to be particularly dress up appropriate with a whole bunch of makeup and try and look like you're older than you are. Like, I don't. Uh. Right. There's definitely elements of that. And like cuties, there's elements of that creepiness, right? Yeah. And people notice. Well, and and that's then, a weird thing. What is? Uh, so, did you see cuties? Mm hmm. I didn't see cuties either, but I remember one half of the population was saying it's a pedophile film, and the other side saying, "Oh no, this is this is all normal stuff." And then you just switch the sides, and then you you've got the people that liked cuties but hate Sound of Freedom, and vice versa. So, right. I don't know. I mean, do, I, do we do, are we going to have to do cuties on the show? Do we have to, do we have to watch that one? I don't know. I don't really uh, want to watch cuties. I don't want to watch it either. <laughs> I'm not interested in it. Um, no, no. Outside of the controversy, I would have no interest in watching that film. So yeah, I am so, about I halfway mean, through the cigar. By the way, me as well. What are your thoughts, Mike? Uh, it's kind of sweet and very smooth and medium bodied, and I like it. Yeah, I like it. This one I like better than the 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 Oliva Connecticut. Yes, very much so. Very much so. Yeah, I mean, and so that's kind of the weird thing is you've got these people that I guess spend a lot of time looking up actors and things and directors and what their personal beliefs are and then kind of projecting those onto their works, which sometimes happens. You know, sometimes directors or actors' personalities come through. We mentioned this earlier. As opposed to, yeah. Off air, but the same people that defend Roman Polanski and his movies are the same ones who have attacked this movie as being a QAnon supporting. Yeah. And as far as I'm aware, like Jim Caviezel is not a criminal of any kind. He's allowed to have whatever political opinions he wants. Yeah. Uh, and Roman Polanski is a criminal who is still running from the law. So there's a big difference there. <laughs> and not, still making you know, movies, I guess. And, and still making movies, right? So um, just saying. <laughs> and I mean, Mel Gibson is still making movies. Right, he's not a criminal. He never he has uh, controversial he political DUI opinions. Or something? He did get a DUI and he's <laughs> undoubtedly an alcoholic and probably an Had abuser some, and an anti-semite or whatever. And an anti-semite for sure. I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm going to invite him over for fucking Thanksgiving or anything. But no. I mean, so but that's part of, I mean, kind of that's the thing, right? Is well, and and musicians are even maybe even worse to some extent. Mm -hmm. They do bad things and people still listen to their music, like Chris Brown. People, I guess, right. still listen to Chris Brown. I, I, I refuse to, just on like moral grounds, and I don't care for any of his shit. But, you know, there's, there's people that do things and are continuing to do those things and continuing to profit 
of a things that then like boast upon the things they are busted for doing. And well, yeah, okay I mean, that. Amber Heard is still in movies, uh, and yeah. she is a convicted abuser, right? So, or yeah. she didn't get convicted; she lost a court case. But yeah, they're not very consistent. Well, we've said with this, this before: is uh, you know, when it comes down to it, everybody's a person, and as somebody who makes art, whether it's film, a painting, music, what have you. They're going to have personal opinions and beliefs that are different than yours. And I think part of the reason everything is so fucked up is as a society, and we've, we've mentioned this before, so this is, if you've been listening to this for a long time, I'm sorry, I'm repeating myself, is that we don't, as a society, we don't have a civil discourse anymore. It's, oh, you're on that side? Well, I can't talk to you. You're evil or vice versa, whatever it might be. But I, th- I think for, you know, being a movie made by alleged QAnoners to not see any QAnon conspiracies in the actual film was an amazing feat of self-restraint then, you know? Right. And I will criticize the people who criticize the QAnoners. I mean, QAnon is ridiculous, right? That The concept of like some Q clearance special agent who's releasing information, blah, blah, blah. And they have the inside track of what's really going on, blah, blah, blah. It's ridiculous. But some of the stuff that they are saying is likely true and is backed up with evidence like Jeffrey Epstein and Henry Weinstein, you know, Henry Weinstein. And all all we need to say about that is there's a reason the Epstein client list hasn't been made public yet. Right. There's a I mean, I recently watched a debate between Richard Dawkins and a cardinal that took place like 10 years ago. And he was a cardinal in the Catholic Church from Australia. Lo and behold, that guy is now in trouble for some inappropriate behavior with children, right? Oh, so, a Catholic? I know, a Catholic cardinal. Inappropriate? No. <laughs> I know. And then in this country, it's never talked about why the last pope stepped down, right? Like, why did the last pope step down? Well, I know why, and I'm sure that you know why, <laughs> but it's not talked yeah, about on a, CNN. In a, position, in a position that is normally until you die. Yes, in a position where normally you never quit, you know, he's not allowed to leave the Vatican for a reason, right? He just lives in Vatican City, and he's got an arrest warrant in Great Britain, that guy. You know what I mean? Like, he's wanted by the police. For some some reason, we don't know what that reason might be. Yeah, we have no idea, you know. (laughs) No idea. And you're from Wisconsin. They had a, a, a school for the... Deaf and blind children that they literally sent predators to on purpose. Uh, it's wild, you know, wild are the things that go on and they're just yeah. covered up. So yeah. it's not like these fears are not are unfounded is what I'm saying. Yeah, and that's the strange thing nowadays because there's all there's these allegations against Tim Ballard now since the movie and since the QAnon support and I guess. Tim Ballard even mentioned something that could be construed as supporting a QAnon conspiracy theory. But honestly, I don't know what all the QAnon conspiracy theories are. You know what I mean? It's very complicated. How do all the people that don't like QAnon know all the QAnon conspiracy theories? Like, are they just looking for reasons to apply that label to people to then, you know, discredit them? I don't know. Yeah. Tim Ballard saved over 200-some kids from child sex trafficking. Is he the type of person you think that will be making sexual advances on women in his organization? I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know him. Or is it more likely that it's a smear campaign to to tank the movie? I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of like the allegations against Russell Brand. I don't know Russell Brand, so I don't know if the allegations are true. But what I do know is that every allegation made against him was made anonymously by people. There's no evidence for any of it. And it just happened to coincide with him getting a contract with a major streaming platform where he is calling out government officials. Yeah. So is that a coincidence? I don't. I don't, I don't particularly know. like Russell Brand. I mean, I know he was hot for a while, but I didn't really care for most of the movies he was in. I don't really like him as an actor. You know what I mean? But I don't care for don't, his movies at all. I uh, never really but, looked into him as a person, so I don't know. That's just based on his output. He was a drug-addled sex addict who went to treatment for both at one point yeah. in time, and now he's doing a political show, and he's kind of hippy-dippy, uh, yeah. and he's a sober, and he's reformed his life, and now he's basically creating content that questions government narratives around pretty much everything. Like that's kind of the premise of a show is what's the government narrative. Can we poke holes in what they're saying in a way that we know they're not telling us the truth here and here and here and here, you know? Yeah. Um, if you ask me in the street, I would say probably, yes, you probably could poke holes in most of the things the government tells you, but right. And he's popular enough to where he is a threat because he was famous for being a comedian. So, and again, I don't know if the allegations are true, but since every allegation is made by an anonymous person, hard to tell, isn't it? Yeah, and you can make the argument that if there truly was abuse, you would want to remain anonymous. Mm-hmm. So he wouldn't take retribution or something or whatnot, but also I don't know, you know. I mean, I'm that's definitely a possibility. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, that's the whole thing is like you don't know and you, you'd likely nobody will ever know. And the thing is that it doesn't matter anymore because they're all doing, and this goes back to her last episode, her previous episode, is nowadays it almost doesn't matter because they can do the Fauci. They can come out before anything's been decided, anything's been confirmed by a court of law, and they can make these allegations, ruin people's reputations, get them canceled or get them blacklisted from media or from their livelihoods. Then they maybe get exonerated later vindicated, what have you, and it's been proven that that was all fabricated against them. But nobody runs the story on that. Right. Look at Marilyn Manson. Yeah, they're already down to tearing down the next person. So, Did you know that the allegations against Marilyn Manson were dropped and that the woman who made them admitted? Yeah, she admitted that they were lies. But that didn't, you know, he lost, I'm sure, millions of dollars. Yeah. I don't know of a political reason for those allegations, by the way. Uh, uh, I don't know. So, I mean, you know, that's the weird thing is you say one wrong thing and that's kind of it, you know? Who mm-hmm. knows? It could have been anything. Right. Well, and we're entering a, a different epidemic period where there's a lot of uh, stats being generated that middle management male, male, uh, male managers are not spending alone time with lower level female employees and it's hurting their careers potentially. Yeah. And that's a problem for those women. You know, they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it's a weird time because a lot of things that were normal and fine in the 90s and early 2000s are no longer normal and fine. And I'm not saying everything from the 90s and early 2000s was fantastic or great or free from criticism, but we're getting into an era that is hypersensitive And people are more apt, and I'm not saying this is wrong, but people are more apt to think twice before doing any single thing 
with the thought of how does this open me up to liability? If I mentor a female subordinate, does this open me up to liability? If I mentor even a male subordinate, does this open me up to liability? If I mentor anybody, does this open me up to to liability? And you're losing a, a transfer of wisdom, a transfer of knowledge. For sure, for sure, you are. But we're in we're in a weird place. We're in a weird place. We're in a very weird place, and you got to mix in AI too. Uh, yeah, I should I should, I I can show you a little document that I received recently about the limitations of AI and what you are and are not allowed to use it for okay uh in the workplace it's very yeah. interesting we're entering a very strange space yeah well and i've seen those things um and i think we'll do an episode on ai later but i've seen things where you can kind of trick ai into giving you answers that it should not be giving you or it's been programmed not to give you oh so sure th- then it kind of raises the question is is it truly ai because not you, yet. You can, no, yeah, not yet. But it's funny because they're, they're calling those uh, little two-wheeled uh, scooter boards, they're calling them hoverboards, but they're not hovering, they're on wheels. Right. You know, so it's weird with the, uh, the things people call things. Well, yeah, and I truly think, and this maybe is conspiratorial of me, I think a lot of the finger pointing about this movie is trying to point the finger away from them. Because they're implicated yeah. in wrongdoing, not wrongdoing related to sex trafficking, but other wrongdoing, you know? So if the focus is on somebody else's wrongdoing, then it's not on my wrongdoing, you know? All the people that yeah. knew about what was going on with Weinstein, none of those people have come to account, right? Did Kevin Smith know what was going on? Did Quentin Tarantino know what was going on? How many of these people knew exactly what was happening? How many people are doing that exact thing that just aren't in the public eye. Yeah. You know. Well, and the other thing too and it, it gets it gets a little more complicated with I guess Weinstein because he was in a position of power that could greenlight or shelve your project. So, even if you knew what was going on, are you motivated to not work with him or turn him in or are you motivated to maybe look the other way? Not saying you approve of what he's doing, but if you have something you want to get made, you know, so it gets it gets even muddier when you try and like break down individual motivations of things. For sure, and that's I mean, I'm that's not, what I'm, not I'm trying saying. to say. Like, yeah, I know. I'm just trying to spell it yeah. out a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More, I'm not so. saying that they're directly doing anything wrong, but they could be implicated in wrongdoing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is this you know journal journalist doing anything wrong? Probably not. Do they know of some wrongdoing that's going on at the workplace? that they're not exposing and maybe later will become tangled up in it. Maybe so. Maybe so. And I know that for a while it was conflated that uh, this was like a systemic issue. And I don't think it is. I think it's very correlated with things like the entertainment industry where there's not a lot of professionalism in that industry. It's been a longstanding practice to, to be abusive. It's not an engineering firm, right? Yeah. I don't imagine there's a lot of weird shit going on in engineering firms. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there is, but I'm sure there's probably is probably uh, not child sex trafficking. Yeah, it's probably not systemic in the same way that it is in Hollywood and in journalism and other and in politics. So, and we know that politicians are scummy. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So yeah, I mean, I. <sighs> I don't know. It was a, it was a fine movie. It kept my attention. I think in the long run, though, it's going to be largely forgotten because 
that had a few issues, pacing, script, acting, what, whatever. I mean, it was fine. It was fine. I, it's I a perfectly adequate it. popcorn movie if you yeah. like cop dramas, and a lot of people it's, really do. Yeah. Not yeah. much different than fine. an NCIS episode. No, not really, yeah. Not really. Uh, and this is the most popular show on TV for years, so if you're into that... I yeah. am not particularly into that, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not. I, like I said, I think the other comparison is is taken, and that's a completely fictional. That's not even based on anything real, I guess. You know, but and that's a lot more action based. Yeah, and that's more action. It's not really a drama, and this is more of a drama. And then there's kind of a little fight scene, and there's there's definitely tense moments for sure. And I don't know. I I guess Mike, how did you feel with uh, Vampiro? Kind of confessing that he slept with a 14-year-old. I mean, it all played into the story, right? He's yeah a scumbag who turned against the lifestyle. Yeah. Right? Which is common in drug enforcement and in everything else. Right? You have to have informants. So this guy was involved with the drug trade and all the yeah. things that go associated with that. But this isn't about the drug trade. This is about trafficking. So... That's what he's up and into. And he was the contact man for all these guys who, like one of the baddies was a drug trafficker whose side gig was human trafficking. Yeah. Um, He's not a full-time human trafficker. It's just one of the many illegal businesses that he's involved with. Yeah. And some of them, like, it was interesting because some of them were into, like, the weird stuff. And some of them were just there purely for business. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It even showed a sympathetic eye to some of these traffickers. Who felt uncomfortable with what they were doing, but they still wanted to make the money. Yeah. So they're not universally like creepos. They're just business yeah. people involved in the legal yeah, industry. Yeah, I mean, I guess like you could take that either way as an audience member, right? Like normally you would think, well, anybody involved with that whatsoever is evil. And it's true, probably, right? Anybody involved in child sex trafficking is, is evil. But they, it was, I guess it was nice that they showed the the range where some were way more comfortable with it like that one guy bulldog or whatever his name was who took the little boy out and was gonna do stuff with him and then edmund dantes wanted to go stop him but he had to play character so he had to be like no this boy's mine or something and then there were other ones that were kind of uncomfortable but like well it's still gonna make me rich so you know and and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about last episode where you were saying that the more wealth somebody has the more likely they are to want more wealth and everybody else that's poor or less well off than them is just kind of a thing and not really a person. Right. Yeah. And if anybody disagrees with that, just think about how people look at the homeless. Right. I, I know people yeah. that look at the homeless like not very well, <laughs> like subhuman yeah. for sure. And they are human beings that are having very yeah. serious issues. It's very difficult to get over that because you have to deal with all the homeless behaviors, which are. Not good, but yeah. But a lot of the underlying stuff is if we had a, a I don't know what what you would say a more supportive mental health culture in our society, a lot of these issues would be addressed. Oh, for sure. I mean, if we had universal health care, then these people would have access to mental health care. Yeah, uh, I, instead I mean, of I'm not saying every homeless person has mental health issues, but I'm just no, saying that not every know, no. Uh, according to the federal government, 40% have full-time jobs. And, but yeah. you don't see those people because they're living in cars and they're driving around and they're trying to like yeah. get housing again. They just don't make enough money to make ends meet. Yeah. Yeah. They're not living in the camps 
yeah, yeah. causing a ruckus. Yeah. So, but I feel like a, a fair number of them, and I don't know any stats, so this it could just be me, me talking out of my ass. But I feel like a fair number of people that struggle and and have trouble keeping jobs. Uh, well, one jobs aren't really designed anymore to be kept. You know, the the companies kind of go for the lowest common denominator. Who can do this job cheaper? But right. a, a lot of people that have mental health needs have vast issues trying to fit into corporate America or things like that. So yeah, they, they're not having an easy go of things for sure. And then you've got a whole architecture subtype of, um, was it like homeless aggressive or something where they put spikes on benches and they make their exterior window wells slant at a degree that somebody can't lay and sleep there and stuff. And I don't I don't think we should as a society be encouraging people to sleep on window wells. We should have a better system in place to help these people. But I also don't think we need to be uh, doing hostile architecture either. It's definitely implicates our society and how cruel we are that yeah. we would rather just make a bench that somebody can't sleep on than solving the root cause of the problem. Yeah. Even though we're supposedly the wealthiest nation that has ever existed on the face of the planet, and well, we have and the greatest hundreds and of God's billions. Favorite nation. Yeah, and we have hundreds of billions of dollars to support various wars around the world, but we don't have enough money to take care of citizens in this country. Yep, we can't. Uh, we can't forgive student loan debt because it costs too much money. But 150 billion to help Ukraine and Israel is no big deal. Yes, I've I've actually confronted some people that think that uh, don't think that college should be publicly funded with the idea that maybe we should no longer publicly fund grade school or high school education either because it serves the same function, right? So why don't we just stop paying for preschool and kindergarten and high school? And then you can pay for that out of your pocket for your child and I don't have to pay it out of my property tax and to save me money every year, right? So yeah. people don't seem to like that argument. <laughs> they don't seem to like that very much when you say, yeah, why don't you just pay, you know, whatever it costs yeah. to hire a teacher and a building and everything else out of your own pocket. Yeah. Do you see what they're doing in Oregon? Mm -mm. They have removed reading, writing, and math requirements for students of color to graduate. You're fucking joking me. Absolutely not. Isn't that what we used to be called the soft, uh, was the the bigotry of of low expectations, right? The soft bigotry bigotry of low expectations. Yeah, you would think. So it says here, uh, and this is OregonLive.com. Oregon high school students won't have to prove basic mastery of reading, writing, or math to graduate from high school until at least 2029. The uh, state board of education decided unanimously uh, to extend the pause on the uh, controversial graduation requirement that began in 2020. So they're saying basically that they are sus suspending those graduation requirements because those graduation requirements are discriminatory against minority students. Yeah, don't solve the root of the issue. I'm guessing there's some schools out there that are seriously underfunded for the needs of the students. Yeah, I mean, there's something. I don't know. I mean, I'm not I'm not an edu educational professional or whatever, what have you, but I, I have never seen anything in my life that says making the requirements easier for one group of people makes them better later on right or more able to compete or more able to sustain themselves later on and yeah that could, be on the, that could be on the football team that could be on anything like it doesn't necessarily have to do fully with education but it seems like it's only going to continue whatever problem is currently going on 
and probably make that problem even worse. Uh, possibly, possibly, but we don't have serious and honest conversations about things anymore in this country, seemingly at times, at times. No, and we don't have, what do you call it? Respectful discord or uh, something like that, where you and I can disagree on the one scene in Sound of Freedom where he says, God's kids are not for sale or whatever. And I took it in a religious rah-rah, God loves us. And you took it in a general kind of, you know, no kids are for sale and, and, you know, like not on my watch kind of thing. But we're not name calling each other. Right. And I mean, that's, this is a very small, it's like, it's a, it's a one little line in a movie for entertainment. But you have people that get worked up about football games. So, you know. Well, we talked about this in an earlier episode. And I'm sure people are tired of hearing about it because it's in the news everywhere. But we're not having an honest discourse about why we have, for example, women's sports. Why do women's sports exist? Yeah. Fundamentally, why do women's sports exist? Why does Title IX exist? Right? It's to protect women because women cannot compete against men in sports. That's why. So if we're going to allow that to weaken, then all we're doing is taking away the protection that was there put in the first place. Because we were in a position where women weren't participating in sports. Yeah. So we're just going backwards, basically. Yeah. Well, and I think a big thing is you can't really litigate equality. You can when it comes to the letter of the law and having equal access of opportunity. But you can't when it comes to social beliefs. Yeah. You have to change, like you said, the, the underlying beliefs. And the things and, and why we don't have more respectful discord on TV. Why are all, and this is why I don't watch news. The main reason is, well, the main reason is they repeat everything every 15 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever it is. But the other reason is anytime you watch any kind of news, they're always arguing and yelling at one another. And that's what's being modeled to everybody in the country that watches the news. Why can't you have, why can't you model civil discourse? Why can't you model that? Because the ratings aren't as good, probably, but they're perpetuating the issue. They see people on TV yelling at one another, and then their neighbor does something that they don't understand, and, well, I'm going to yell at them. Yeah, I'm sure that there's a lot of people that see a flag of whatever variety in their neighbor's yard and get pissed off about it, instead of trying to understand the root of their neighbor's reason for it, as an example, right? As an example. Yeah, that's a reason. that's the main reason I don't have any flags in my yard. Or yard signs or whatever. I don't either. I don't I either. Just, I don't I don't want the grief. <laughs> Which is, you know, I mean on one hand it's kind of sad because it's like, well, you should be able to put whatever you want out and not have people not worry about people targeting you for whatever reason. But then again I also kind of think like I don't need to know what neighbor so and so thinks about this issue or that issue unless I'm actually their friend or talk to them, you know. Right. Uh, the listeners don't know this, but they're going to find out now. I travel around the state a lot, and I take pictures of interesting things, uh, things that I think that are funny, and I send them to Nate. <laughs> yeah. You sent <laughs> a lot one, of <laughs> and it took me a long time to figure out because it's it said Living Waters or something, and I thought it sounded like a church, but it did not look like a church. So I wasn't quite sure what it was. I thought maybe it was like a water treatment plant. <laughs> 
because yeah, they had yeah. like security <laughs> fence and security lights and everything, and it was like totally locked. You couldn't get in to it unless I guess they opened it for Sunday service. But yep, yeah, it was a church. It was a church, and the funniest part is that right down the street for them is a huge church. Looks like they bought a farm field. They have baseball fields and a kid's playground. And it's like a nice church like I would have went to when I was younger, a big Catholic church with all the family stuff. And then down the road, they have like the military compound, (laughs) the prison, the prison yard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I take pictures of people's uh, vehicles that are all tricked out with crazy nonsense. Yeah, and their yards. I love. I love taking pictures of people's yards when they have the shrines. <laughs> for oh, whatever yeah. reason, that's pretty common around yeah. here. And Mike's uh, for any listeners, Mike's favorite flag is the Blue Lives Matter flag. <laughs> I like the Blue Lives Matter flag when they mix it up with other things that are like not necessarily appropriate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's always the top. Like if I if I see something that's like racist mixed with the Blue Lives Matter, maybe a Trump flag. I'm like, yeah, yep. let's take that. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. Or like the mixed messages. I love the stuff that's mixed messages. Yeah, and the people <laughs> don't even realize it. Yeah, they don't really realize that they're sending mixed messages. It's like eh. that they don't tread on me mixed with like the blue li- the blue line. Yeah. Like okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's going to tread on you, bro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I think we're getting pretty close to the end of our sticks, right, Mike? We are. My fingers are burning. Yes. How'd you like it? I like it. I like it. I don't, you know, this is one I would definitely smoke again. I don't know that I'm necessarily going to go out and seek it out, but it's not one It's not one that I would ever say no to. I'd be more than happy to smoke this one. Yeah, I, I would recommend it uh, if you like Sweet, medium-bodied cigars. Uh, it's definitely a winner. I wouldn't shy away from having it again, for sure. If it was part of yeah. a pack, I would say, oh, that's going to be a good one. Yep. You know, I'm not going to buy a box of them. No. But these Olivas, uh, they make the Nub series, and those Nub cigars are good. And they have yeah, the, the Nub nubs. bushel packs. And everybody, if you have a humidor at home, buy the Nub bushel pack. Because yeah. uh, that's just a great sampler to have. Uh, and these All Oliva the packs. Really oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, any any Oliva sampler is going to be good. Yep. So you might not like all of them, but you're going to probably like a majority of them. Right. And I don't think we've had something that's like vile or, or anything. Like it's not no, like a, no, not like a Gurkha where they're really up and down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or like an underground. <laughs> <laughs> and they people love those damn things. We I are guess. just yeah. People yeah. love those damn things. Yep. Uh, we are definitely on the outside of that one. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. It's not as good as a Rocky Patel vintage or anything like that, but it's no. good. Yeah, it's good. So. Uh, and I guess it's good that we're kind of on the outside of some of the cigar stuff because we don't have sponsors. We don't ha- we're not being paid for opinions on any of this stuff. So, this is just I like to like two just regular people opinions on cigars and movies and books and other things that we sometimes talk about. So, right. Yeah, it's uh, and we're all smoking uh, reasonably priced cigars, so yes. for the most part, for the yeah. most part, every once in a while we do a, a special stick or whatever. But yeah, and they're always good. I yeah. well, so far not not always, but you know, some are better than others for sure. Yes. So anyway, uh, Sound of Freedom. If you want to watch a cop drama about human trafficking, then it's up your alley. Uh, it's yep. perfectly adequate. 
Yep. I think, you know, there are people out there that say it's absolute rubbish, and there are people out there that say it is excellent, and the reality is somewhere in the middle, but better than average, I would say. So... I would watch the Barbie movie first. I recommend watching the Barbie movie. I enjoyed yeah. that movie. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I maybe enjoyed it more in retrospect than I did actually watching it. But I think I mean I have to watch it a second time. The Barbie movie was entertaining, and yes. it was a little more entertaining than Sound of Freedom, I guess. So the Sound of Freedom was mildly disturbing. So <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It depends on how uncomfortable you like movies to make you. Right. It's not, it's, it's, a, it's probably Schindler's List level uncomfortable for me. Uh, yeah. I didn't cry or anything at Sound yeah. of Freedom, but it was definitely <laughs> uncomfortable. No. You know? Yeah, there are some uncomfortable bits. It's not as good a movie as, as Schindler's List. No. I think, I think that, uh, I guess the other one that's like really difficult, but I absolutely love it, is Requiem for a Dream. And that is... That is a one-way trip to like depression, kind of that, yeah. that film. So, but it's it's fantastically done and and everything. But yeah, I mean, Sound of Freedom is good. It's fine. It's I don't think it's the like underdog best picture winner thing by any stretch, but perfectly serviceable uh, for what it is. A fictionalized, embellished account of a true thing that happened <laughs> kind of, <laughs> Yep. you know, uh, or a true person that exists, but uh, Hollywood put him in different circumstances and it's fine. It's good. You know, I guess in the same sense that gladiator is moderately historically accurate, but not so much so, and it's more entertainment. So. Right. Gladiator's as long, as better as film. As you, well, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. Yeah. Yeah. It's better than but, any Marvel you know, movie that's going to come out this year, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, it's one of the better movies of this year. Let's let's just say that. Easily. And the uh, All of Us series, oh, I'm a fan. I'm a I fan. would smoke it again. But so probably not going to buy a box, so. Yes. I mean, just if we're being full full disclosure. It's, full it's disclosure. Good. I'm not going to go out and buy a box. This is not like a, a series R it's not the you joy know. of black. Let's say that. Yeah, the joy of black. I've actually been looking <laughs> to try to find more. Like, I want to find a, a sampler of all of them because yeah. they do have several. And I'm like, God, that was a really good cigar. <laughs> yeah, I just want a box of the joy of black. That'd be that'd be awesome. So yeah, they're good. No. Yeah, Christmas is coming up. Mike and I always accept gifts of boxes of cigars. So <laughs> yeah, sampler packs with two of each kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put you out as a sponsor on the show. So anyway, thanks for listening. Be safe. Have fun. Yeah.